0: listening to the Past the Forecast podcast from Wayne 15.
1: Hey there, I'm Adam Solarzik, And I'm And we are meteorologists at Wayne 15 in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And this is the Past the Forecast podcast. This is week 28. Unfortunately, uh, it is just Joe and I today. Uh, Sierra. Is working on her story. Not like she's a permanent co-host. We had her as a guest. Nicholas, who is our usual fill-in. Well, we're both here, so you're back to having Adam and Joe, just the two of us this week.
0: Yeah, all the condolences to your ears out there.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. Got to keep it. Got to keep the volume maybe down a little bit more for the day today. Let's jump in. It's a uh, it's a crazy day in the weather world in anticipation. Of a hurricane, Laura. We're going to jump right into tracking the topics. Tracking the topics. Hurricane Laura is currently, as of this recording, still a, a category three storm. I think the latest update was 125 mile per hour sustained winds forecasted to get up to a category four, which will have about 145 mile per hour winds. And I'm one of the main concerns I'm having with this, this is obviously going to cause catastrophic impacts in Texas and Louisiana, wherever, whichever side of the border it, it ends up on. It's, I think it's leaning the Louisiana side. Uh, one of my biggest concerns here is I think back to Harvey and how it's so rapidly intensified within the last, what, 12 hours of its life from a three to a four to a five right before landfall. And I'm concerned if that's going to happen again in this case. I think it'll stay at a four. But every time we have this kind of rapid intensification, because 24 hours ago, Laura was sitting there at a tropical storm, low-end, Category 1 hurricane, and now we're talking about Within 36 hours, it becoming a Category 4.
0: I uh, hate to correct you there. Harvey only ever got to a 4. Okay. But you are thinking of another one, Michael. Mm, that th- that was it. was only projected to get to Cat 1, Cat 2 in the Gulf. It ended up reaching observed Category 4 status in the Floridian Panhandle, but was later changed to a Category 5 based on the damage post-analysis. And you mentioned Harvey. If you remember, Harvey sat there and just dumped buckets of rain. Just dumped buckets of rain. Versus Michael, who came up swift and just ripped apart portions of the Floridian Panhandle right there on the coast, There's two different things I've noticed in my meteorological studies. There's hurricanes that may be a bit weaker, but dump buckets of water. Some that are stronger and really fly through, leaving just a ridiculous amount of damage from the winds. But it doesn't seem like we get both of those together because you're going to get a lot of rain with either one. But you're not going to get the the feet upon feet of rain that you get when a tropical cyclone just stalls out right there in the same spot. So this, to me, I consider the hurricanes, just from my my growing up and watching this stuff on TV, I I consider Laura to be a classic hurricane. Florence and Harvey that both came in and got stuck and just dumped tons of water, I can consider those to be a little bit different. Yeah. I don't know if you feel that way. I agree. Looking at like Katrina, looking at Charlie coming up uh, in Florida back in '04. Looking at Michael recently. These hurricanes, uh, Dorian to an extent. These were swift movers that that had had rain, but the biggest impacts were from wind damage and from surges. And I don't know if you saw the wording from the Hurricane Center. Yes,
1: this is terrifying wording
0: unsurvivable storm surge. That's, you know, you, you can't help but start thinking back to, to 05.
1: That's, uh, I've seen some of the forecasts, and the highest I've seen for forecasted storm surge is 20 feet. So take the rim of a basketball hoop and double it. That's how deep the water could be from just storm surge.
0: Like, like that's a bowl. Like, imagine water... Filling up a tank over miles and miles inland of that much water. Think about that.
1: I mean, that's incredible. And that's where the biggest threat for, like it said, unsurvivable, unfortunate deaths come from storm surge. And also another concern here is that how quickly it intensified. I mentioned that just yesterday it was a tropical storm, low end category one. I think it was only projected to get to maybe a low-end Cat 3. There's people that will sit down there on the coast and be like, eh, I'll wait it out. Not going to be too bad. I'll go a little bit more inland and be fine. Not the case with this one now that it's, it, it, you haven't had the, the warning, the, the advance notice. You've got a day.
0: Yeah, you, this one's really tough. Because you had Marco there not too long ago. And Which fizzled question, out
1: as soon as it made landfall, essentially.
0: Right. And the big question was, what was that going to do? And it turns out Marco got there, did its thing, fizzled, and was kind of uh, cleared out and uh, left left lots of warm ocean waters for Laura to take on. Um, yeah, it's... I don't want to say I I, I thought about this scenario, but last Friday looking at things, I just kept thinking, you know what? If Marco can get out of the way, Laura's going to have warm waters to pass over. And I know right now the track, even Saturday and Sunday, you know, I think I told Sierra Tufts, a co-anchor here who was on last week, I said, I know the track only says Cat 1 right now, maybe Cat 2. I said, but I, I really do get concerned if it really is going to have time to stay over the warm ocean waters. And I'm sure, I know for a fact, the Hurricane Center is playing with that solution in their head. They're also not going to come out and say, Cat 4, you know, five days ago. Yeah. The, the, the science isn't there yet. It's not there yet. So, look, it's, you've had the warning that there's been a chance, and to the credit of the Hurricane Center, there have been hurricane, tropical storm headlines out for the same portion of the Gulf Coast for quite some time now.
1: Probably about a week.
0: What you didn't have was kind of the the nightmare scenario here where everything is ramping up shortly before impacts the United States. So
1: Yeah, so Lore is expected to make landfall, I believe, tonight into early tomorrow morning, I think what, around the the track has at about two AM making landfall in Louisiana again. A little ship in that track could put it right on the texas side of the border there in louisiana and texas and it's i'm sure this is going to be something we touch on again next week as we look back on the impacts and what all transpired you got something
0: uh breaking right now from the the live recon from the air force plane that's currently in laura this is 1 30 p.m on wednesday uh currently finding estimated wind speeds of 130 to 135 miles per hour from the air uh the air force recon plane uh, in the middle of the hurricane, uh, according to Levi Cowan from the Tremendous Tropical Tidbits website.
1: Fantastic website.
0: He says uh,
1: this analysis that the plane is finding would make it a Category 4 hurricane. So, and that next official update. So that's the recon plane that's out there right now. We'll yeah. talk about what that plane does here a little bit later in the inbox. Um, but that recon plane Will officially give their data back to the Hurricane Center, and they'll put out their official forecast and their headlines and their newest update on the storm. That's going to be coming uh, by two o'clock our time. You s- just said that this update was at one thirty three. so maybe by the end of this we'll have the official category four on that storm.
0: And uh, another note to talk about, Laura. so so the the major TV market right there is Lake Charles, Louisiana. That's not too far inland. Uh, down in southwestern Louisiana, they're going to be pretty much the bullseye. Um, A a couple areas that are more populated are are actually missing out on the bulk of this. We always talk about the right front quadrant of the storm. So where this makes landfall, if you look at a map and you're listening to this and you can see where Laura's at, if you were to divide it into uh, a chart – a coordinate plane. Um, uh, uh,
1: just a north-south-east-west line.
0: North-south-east-west. Yeah, if you put a cross-section in there with a compass, that northeast quadrant, the furthest top right quadrant, is where the strongest winds will be, is where the highest surges will be, is where the biggest impacts will be felt. You look at it on a map and what's forecast here, it's going to stay east of Houston, Texas.
1: Thank goodness.
0: It's one of those things where you breathe a sigh of relief for those people and the millions who live in those areas, but at the same time, you feel the gut in your stomach because there's still millions of people who yeah. are going to be impacted here. Um, this this would have been, I mean, imagine, imagine if it, if it had gone through a major market like Houston.
1: What, what if it was just a few? Miles further east and hit New Orleans. That's in the bowl that they're in. I know they have they they've they've somewhat mostly rebuilt from Katrina with their levee system, but it would definitely be a massive test for that system to have this storm blowing in there. Twenty foot storm surge in some parts. It's just a very scary situation. It's something that us here in the Midwest as meteorologists don't. Uh, have to experience uh, so often. Obviously, we we do de- the biggest thing we dealt with this year so far has been the derecho that came through here.
0: That's right. That's right. The derecho was. Uh, you know, you look at the people in Iowa. I mean, another natural disaster. Any way you shake it, but this uh, this is really interesting. And I think the one one of a, a fellow meteorologist tweeted today, a National Weather Service meteorologist I follow on Twitter. You know, look at the sheer beauty of this thing. I know. I know. The wonder and awe of looking at the satellite imagery right now is incredible. And we have the new GOES data. Uh, you can actually see the lightning flashes yeah, inside.
1: That's, that's, it's really cool to look at.
0: But then, again, you then go, son of a gun. The the painful images of destruction that are going to be coming out, it, it's, it's sombering.
1: If you ever find yourself in a situation where you're along the Gulf, or if you are along the Gulf Coast and you're listening to this or any, even the East Coast, if you have a hurricane coming your way, I would say a Category 2 or higher. Category 1, you can judge for yourself, but if you're a Category 2 or higher, my strongest advice would be to get out of there and go further inland, go to a different state, go see a different part of the country for a couple weeks. If you can afford to do so, because to be willingly sitting there, it's not just a danger to yourself. It's a danger to the rescue workers that are going to have to go and save you. They're going to then start risking their lives. So if we can limit how many times they are going to be doing that, that's for the greater good.
0: Very interesting um, from Philippa Klotzbach. I believe he's out of Colorado State. Is that correct? That is correct. Colorado State. a uh, Huge tropical follow on Twitter. I don't know if you follow him, Adam, but today tweeted out, if you go back to 1957, you can find Hurricane Audrey. Okay? Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of post analysis done on Audrey. It made a landfall very near where Laura is projected just east of the Texas-Louisiana border, um, it had 125-mile-per-winds, Cat 3. And if you look at the animation here, the post-analysis for storm sh- surge showed that that Category 3 hurricane brought 14-foot surges ashore. And now we're predicting, the for- the hurricane center is predicting a Cat 4 here. And that goes so far inland. It goes so far inland. This is really interesting. This is the slosh model. Now we're getting real technical here on the Pest (laughs) Forecast Podcast. But uh, I found this really interesting, too, because you have a real piece of analog data to compare to. And uh, by all accounts here, Laura's going to probably outperform that.
1: Yeah, it's projected to be, like I said, 20-foot storm surge. That's only 14. The power of Mother Nature.
0: We saw it here. But on a different note, we'll keep an eye on Laura. Uh, Mother Nature has kind of given us a rebound of the summertime heat. <laughs> it, it, we went all month,
1: all month without a 90-degree day. And then this week we've had two in a row. But that's
0: what it feels like August is. and You know, August might come in hot some years, but I always feel like the end of August.
1: The dog days. That's when it's, ugh.
0: I'm ready to get to
1: the 60s. I think we all are. Maybe lower than that. Oh, maybe. I'm I, Like I've discussed before, 60 to 70, that's my temperature. I'm okay with that. But, yeah, this heat, and we didn't, we're factoring the humidity, too. It's been humid these last couple of days. Yesterday afternoon and evening wasn't too bad because we had basically a a dry frontal passage work its way through. Most of the rain stayed off to our north and redeveloped off to our southeast. But it was basically a dew point front where we saw dew points drop from the 70s right around the noon hour into the low to mid 60s by the late afternoon and evening. So while the temperatures are still pretty toasty, at least the humidity dropped. But we're right back up near 70 today after a warm front started to work its way in.
0: Yeah, it's pretty interesting right now looking at just the patterns that we're going through. I'll tell you what's really challenging right now is the precipitation forecast. Um, I think this is one of those times where you really have to throw away your weather model data. I mean, use it as a bit of a tool, but you got to kind of just do a, a pure analysis of what's going on and try to say, all right, what really could happen here? Because when you've got all these boundaries moving through in this hot air dome, I mean, look, you could have storms fired based solely on the fact that it's hot. Yeah. And there's enough moisture, and you've got you've got rising air. It's just, it's a challenge for us as forecasters. I'm I'm happy to say that to this point this week we've handled it very well with our weekend forecasts. We've been pretty spot on, yes. Been a lot of sunshine, been a lot of heat, but. You know, these are the kind of days where you could have a 0% chance with sunshine expected and a rogue storm can pop, and what are you supposed to do? I know Nicholas is listening. <laughs> I don't know if he has the answer. I haven't found anybody that has the answer, you know?
1: Yeah, the... Hello, rain- Nicholas. Hi, Nicholas. Um, You made me lose my thought there. the The heat was not welcomed by me. I'm not a fan of the 90s. I thought we were done with those last month. But we've got up now over 20 days, I believe this year in the 90s. I think we're pushing towards 22 if we get there today.
0: Yeah, we were 20 at the end of the last week. So, it 21, since, yeah, 22, 20, 22 right now, yeah.
1: So it's a it's a toasty week. The good news is by the end of the week and the weekend, we do cool down into the 70s.
0: If you go back for some reason, I recall very, very well my junior year at Ball State. So this would have been the fall of 17. Um, Labor Day. We had a very, very hot end to August. And then Labor Day weekend, I actually went back home uh, to catch uh, something my sister was doing. She was playing in a band at the high school football game. So we went to my high school football game with my dad. I'm wearing jeans. I'm wearing, <laughs> uh, I had a long sleeve shirt, and I had one of my jackets on. I remember thinking about it. This was September Labor Day, the Friday of Labor Day weekend. Um, it That's what this forecast has kind of shown me here. We're hot right now, but we're going to be cool into the end of August, start of September. I'm thinking right back to where I was bringing jeans out, September whatever, third or whatever it was that year. But then the heat came back hard that year in September and into October. So this is just Mother Nature starting to deescalate a little bit. She's starting to feel the
1: 30-degree temps. That's what you want her to feel. Absolutely. The coldest I want to get is like 40. I'm ready for winter. I know, you want some
0: snow. I just, I like coming home to the heat on in the apartment and looking out on the balcony and seeing inches of snow out there. I I love the winter.
1: Well, speaking of winter, let's move on to what the hail.
0: What the hail? Yeah, what the hail. When are we going to stop listening to this?
1: (laughs) Joe was referring to the Farmers' Almanac and the Old Farmers' Almanac, both releasing their long-range forecasts for this upcoming winter uh,
0: forecasts.
1: Joe, you're you're going to be a fan of the Farmers' Almanac. They are using the words "cold" and "very flaky" to describe huh. the Midwest <laughs> and the Great Lakes region. That's
0: quite the bet for the Midwest in the winter months, huh? Cold with some snowflakes.
1: Now, the Old Farmer's Almanac is saying more wet than white, which would make you believe you're probably a little bit milder. Correct. So.
0: These are a, very fun to look at.
1: What do you, th- what do you think of the, the, the Farmer's and the Old Farmer's no, Almanac?
0: You know what? I Here's the thing. Uh, these are based off of. Did you hear that? There's nothing there. Because these are not based off oh, of uh, these are not based off of much.
1: I dropped my paper, so I was like, yeah, wow. it kinda heard me.
0: That is correct, right? There's no there's no meteorological values.
1: I mean they look at climatology right. and they have some kind of formula that they claim they've used for over two hundred years. Right.
0: It's fun to look at. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to knock either either almanac. It's every time it comes out, it gets my blood pumping going, all right, we're starting to look forward to the winter. But for me to sit here and tell you Based off of that, that you can expect a, quote, cold and very flaky or very snowy winter, it's, uh, uh, it's a bag of chips.
1: Yeah, we usually, look at, we usually give you a winter outlook here at Wayne 15, and that, we do that usually in the middle of November.
0: Which we can do at that point with a more solid understanding of how the atmosphere is working around the entire globe. And that's not even
1: accurate sometimes. Right. We, we were off last year, I believe, on one of the two spectrums. I forget which one right off the top of my head. I think we were a little bit milder than we thought we were going to be.
0: Yeah. Uh, January
1: was pretty mild, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, we
0: never had. <laughs> we, where was our big winter blast? We did
1: not have a massive snowstorm, and we stayed above zero the whole time, I think. Sounds right to me. Which I was a fan of after the previous year where we spent, what, 36 hours? 36
0: hours hours below zero, got as low as 13 below.
1: With a feels-like temperature of 30 below. Uh, Beyond that. Yeah.
0: It was around 40, man.
1: I was out there. I was bundled up.
0: Yeah, I was working. I had to come to work that day.
1: I was doing a... I forget what I was doing. I did cold weather experiments that day.
0: That's right. And I was in with Greg uh, Yeah, some Facebook Lives with Michael Kuhn in the morning. You were in there in the morning. Uh, I remember my dad called me the day before and goes, what time are you getting up? And I said, I got to be at the station at like 3 a.m.
1: You had just started.
0: Uh, yeah, I was a couple weeks into my job here, and I drove around my apartment complex with my car at 7 o'clock the night before to get it running, knowing that this thing's got to start in seven hours, eight hours.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, Thank goodness that, it did. That was cold. Yeah, I'm not knocking the almanacs here. They're fun to look at. Like I said, they get your they get your excitement up a little bit. That said, when it says cold and very flaky.
1: That's pretty flaky. That just sounds like. <laughs> the other sense of the word.
0: I, I guess for me, these descriptions
1: just sound like what winter is.
0: You see what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, they it, it, they just give generalities. What's that? Well, yeah, it's going to be cold. and
0: That's I, what winter I, is here in Fort Wayne, Indiana. It is I, cold
1: and there is snow. At least the Old Farmer's Almanac says more wet than white. So that gives you some A
0: little more context into the temperature forecast. And and
1: the difference between these is the the formulas and the the things that they use and look at. So that's the difference between the Farmer's and the Old Farmer's Almanac.
0: Where I get a little irritated is when we put out our official winter outlook that is based on specific numerical values that we put together, that, that we've we can see, that we can see. A couple weeks before winter. And when we give you, when Nicholas does the presentation and says, look, we are expecting to have above average precipitation over the three month period. We are expecting to have below average temps, a colder than more, normal, a wetter than, wetter than normal. You see what I'm saying? That is more definitive than, quote, cold and very flaky.
1: We try and give you as much detail as we can, and obviously every winter is going to have its ebbs and flows. You're going to have times where you're above.
0: And then the viewers, some viewers out there who like to comment, will say, well, the Farmer's Almanac said it's going to be cold and snowy. <laughs> Again, <laughs> I don't know. I just... <sighs> maybe I should just smile.
1: got to smile, grin and bear it.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I just... Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hating on the almanacs here again. I want to say that over and over here. I'm not. It I don't sounds have, like you're hating. On I don't have ass. a problem with the almanacs. <laughs> I just, it's just the idea that I think it's become a frustration, uh, just with us trying to, you know, convey data to the public, and then they turn around. But the almanac said this, and while the almanac going can be cold and snowy, that's what that's what. That's what winter is here in northern Indiana. That's where I get a little frustrated. You see what I'm saying?
1: I got what you're saying. What's also frustrating, people, is the fact that we have now started to see. Have you been to Kroger recently?
0: Oh, my goodness. Did you look outside? I forgot. Yes, I brought something for, for you, actually. You brought something for I me? I bought something for you and uh, Sierra from Kroger. It was my turn to contribute to the uh, the candy drawer. Oh, yeah. It's sitting on my counter. Well... Yes, I was at Kroger yesterday.
1: Well, at Kroger and at other venues, we just, I've been to Kroger more recently, Halloween stuff is already outside.
0: Yeah, I don't like Halloween.
1: I'm just talking about the fact that also pumpkin spice lattes debuted today.
0: I don't like pumpkins.
1: You don't like pumpkins in general? No. Do you like fall?
0: Of the four seasons, it is number four.
1: Really? Cannot stand it. What's your ranking of seasons? Winter's number one. Winter, summer, spring, fall. Spring and summer are
0: close because I really love May, and I really love June. I love those two months. I like the May nights where it's down in the 60s, and you can have a fire outside. And those I like are nice. I like June because... It just feels like you're breaking into the summertime activities, the baseball, the golf's in full swing, the barbecues aren't full swing, you've got, uh, you know, you go May, June, you got Mother's Day, you got Father's Day, you've got family cookouts, you got Memorial Day in there. That is my time of the year.
1: So fall is- Probably
0: ending with Independence Day.
1: Fall is my favorite time of the year. I like how the temperatures change. I like watching all the leaves. I like going up in Michigan and seeing all the pretty colors this is too early. Absolutely. Once we, hit, once we hit the second week of September, I'll allow it. What really, uh, to steal a phrase from a TV show, what really grinds my gears is the fact that I was at a different store, not Hobby Lobby, because Hobby Lobby always has Christmas stuff. But I've started to see Christmas decorations popping up.
0: No problem with that.
1: So you don't have a problem with Halloween stuff popping up early, but Christmas stuff you're fine with? Uh,
0: I, was, I was saying I like May and June. Uh, the stretch from Thanksgiving to Christmas to New Year's Eve is number one. That's my favorite stretch of the year. It's a rapid I love the holidays. pace for those. I love the holidays. I get it enough.
1: It's too early.
0: No, I, I mean, I... Pfft, People
1: no. want you to get through... Halloween before Christmas 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 comes (laughs) in. That's true. People want Christmas stuff to come up after Halloween. I'm okay with like the end of October Christmas stuff popping up. But to have it popping up on August twenty fifth instead of October twenty fifth, a full two months ahead of where I would like to see it is obscene.
0: And I I would be totally fine if Halloween just didn't happen. Um
1: I'm not a huge Halloween guy either, but I just, I see it as a, it's a good fall holiday.
0: I don't know. I mean, I, no disrespect to to my grandmother and my sister whose birthdays are in October, but I think October is arguably the most frustrating month of the year for me from an allergy (laughs) perspective.
1: I, I understand that too. I
0: just, that's, you're just, September, you're still hanging on to summer. November, you're into the holiday season October is just kind of that. It's like when you're a sophomore in high school. You're not the new kid on the block, but you're not the old experience. You're just kind of the. let You want to talk about holidays? My family does a huge Christmas light display every year. Uh, my father
1: and I. I Imagine Christmas vacation, uh,
0: times ten. Um, I'm. I am rusty. Um, we. Yeah,
1: I'll, I'll give you that.
0: We. we I'll, yeah. We rock and roll, and my dad is clearly Griswold. Um, We have a lot of fun. I will help him as much as he needs November putting these lights up. And, in fact, I have a lot of fun doing it. He puts up some lights for my mom for Halloween as his spring training, if you will, as his (laughs) preseason. I just got to get the blood flowing again. I got to remember how to hook things up and get my mind in the hole. I'm using only 20 extension cords instead of, like, the 65 we use for the main display, whatever. Just kind of just, you know, I won't touch it. I want nothing to do with it. I can't stand it. And, Mom, I'm sorry. I know you're listening and Halloween is your favorite holiday and you love the fall. Can't do it. I'm sorry. I just can't stand it. Uh give me to Thanksgiving. If we could do Thanksgiving to New Year's to New Year's Day, watch the Rose Bowl and then go right to May 1st. Well, I don't want to skip the NCAA tournament.
1: Don't get me wrong there. But we did this year.
0: We'll go to, we'll, we'll go like this. If 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 Joe Struz had a calendar it would be
1: what's the Joe Struce calendar? I'm
0: Thanksgiving, in Thanksgiving
1: to start off the year to New Year's Day, yeah, sure.
0: Thanksgiving to <laughs> New Year's Day, then we would jump ahead to the first round of the NCAA tournament.
1: So middle of March
0: through the Masters,
1: middle of second April. week of
0: April. Then we go to May first, all the way through July fourth. I won't even count my birthday on July eighteenth. Forget that. Then, how are you going to turn another year older? Well, see, I'm living forever with my calendar. Um, <laughs> then, I'm invincible. I'll give you a couple days in the fall around, around Labor Day,
1: and then we go right back to Thanksgiving. <laughs> so, you're only skipping a few months there.
0: What you notice is I did skip the heat of the winter because I like the winter a lot more when it's the holiday season. That's my, that's my correlation. Winter's great, but because we have the holidays on top of it, that's what elevates it to my number one season.
1: I just, winter is good for me until New Year's Day, and then I'm done with it.
0: And that's when it's not even really starting because technically December 22nd, yeah. whatever it is on a given year.
1: So give me two, three weeks of winter. No. I And I'll check out. I'll take January.
0: Um, but yeah, no, pumpkin spice lattes. I, I I don't like pumpkins, so that doesn't bother me as much as the Halloween stuff, but uh, it is too early.
1: It, it's the earliest from what I under. I'm not a big drinker of coffee. Actually, I've never had a cup of coffee or a sip of coffee in my life, um, so I don't frequent Starbucks.
0: And then you got to play golf in the fall, and you can't find your ball because all the leaves on the ground. No, get rid of it. Forget
1: we did that in the spring, and that was... Forget it. Horrible. Forget
0: it. No. no, 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 no. But, yeah. I am someone, though, who likes less daylight. I do like when the days get shorter and shorter. Now, I don't know if that's an anticipation of, again, getting to
1: the holidays. that
0: holiday-type flow. Um,
1: I'm I'm fine with the sun going down at, like, 730. I don't like it any earlier than that.
0: In the summer, though, I don't mind that it's up late. Case in point, playing golf barbecues hanging out with people whatever but when you're when you, when we start getting in the spring late winter Marchish, and all of a sudden it's five o'clock and the sun's still up and it's still bright out at six and we move the clocks and blah 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 and that all happens and all of a sudden we start getting eight o'clock the first time we get past eight o'clock and it's still light outside it's a shock to the I system think i go through a little bit of a mental uh reset i kind of have to go oh no
1: winter's over
0: it hurts every year (laughs) every year
1: let's check hits and misses hits and misses so i was struggling to find a miss not to sound cocky or anything it's a couple weeks in a row we've been uh we've been pretty spot on if i were to pick one for me and i think for you as well i don't want to speak for you but saturday night we forecasted a low in the mid 60s We ended up in the upper 50s, so we were probably about 5 degrees off on our low to start off Sunday morning. Other than that, though, we had these 90s in there. A little bit cooler by a few degrees, but still getting into the 90s, which is what we were hoping for. And we've been spot on with our rain chances. Because we had just a few isolated showers around the area that could have popped here. They could have on both Monday and Tuesday. They didn't, but they could have. And we only put a 20% chance in.
0: Oh, well, sometimes you make the gamble. I, I made the bet on Sunday. Took the chance out. We got away with it. People don't want it to rain, man.
1: But we need the rain. We it's do. funny how people say we need the rain, but that they don't want it to rain.
0: It's incredible. Come on, put yourself in our shoes
1: everybody's a hypocrite. That's what I think.
0: I think so too. I think there's uh,
1: some more than others. but
0: It's been interesting. People, we love the viewers. Obviously, we require viewers to keep on rolling here. Um, But some of the philosophies and theories that have come up from some viewers about the weather lately, I kind of just see the comment, and it's like, Eh, whatever. Shake it off. (laughs) I don't know what you want me to say.
1: Roll on into the next one. I don't control
0: the weather. Adam doesn't control the weather.
1: I wish I could. The
0: person who has the most control over the weather here is arguably Greg Schaup. He's been doing it the longest.
1: He's got the lay of the land.
0: And I'm here to tell you, Greg is great. He doesn't have any control over the weather either. (laughs) Sorry, Greg.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, we don't control anything. If we could, we'd make millions of dollars. Correct. And we're not making millions of dollars. No, we are not. Let's check the inbox. It's the past the forecast inbox. So this one comes from Stacy. She wants to know how do they determine the strength of a hurricane? So,
0: two different things here. Let's talk tornadoes versus hurricanes briefly. Okay. A tornado is rated on the Fujita scale, the enhanced Fujita scale, the scale, which is broken down one through five based on winds. Now those winds are based on wind estimates. So when a tornado comes through and you have a confirmed tornado, they look at the damage and then they look and see what type of wind speeds would it have taken to create that types of damage, that type of damage that occurred. And then they rate the tornado. It's a post analysis. Hurricanes. Hurricanes are long term, usually, typically, and are able to be sampled. So how do you sample a hurricane? Is someone gonna go drive a boat into the underneath a hurricane? No. Maybe not a boat. But they fly planes. NOAA's hurricane hunters, the Air Force have planes that are built with the capabilities of flying into hurricanes. And when they do this, they're not only grabbing and sampling data with onboard instruments, but they're also dropping, you may have seen weather balloons that we launch into the sky. They are dropping weather balloons, if you will. They are dropping drop which are the same type of weather.
1: There's just no balloon.
0: There's no balloon. It's falling to the ground through the hurricane, sampling what the winds are doing at each height, what the temperature is doing, what, r- very importantly, the winds, and we get live data sent back to see what the winds are. So right now, the winds inside of Laura are being sampled by a hurricane hunter's
1: plane. And Adam is going to break the news. Yes, the latest update from the Hurricane Center, which we anticipated while we said at one thirty, 130, whatever, one thirty-three, one thirty-one, whatever it was, the latest update is in now. Laura is now an extremely dangerous Category 4 hurricane with maximum winds of 140 miles per hour. For reference, I believe Category 5 is at 158 miles per hour.
0: And you can check that by looking up the Saffir-Simpson scale, which provides a range of hurricane strength, hurricane category, based on real-time measurements. Okay? So hur- hurricanes are are rated on real-time measurements, real-time data. Tornadoes are rated based off of a post-analysis of how much damage occurred. It's nice to use the tornadoes as a comparison there because I can get into how that's done. It, tornadoes I think it are makes it make more sense.
1: Hurricanes are during unless the case like you mentioned Michael Afterwards, they went back and they looked at some of the damage, which th- I think they're allowed to do. Oh, I, I don't see why not.
0: Michael was historic.
1: Yes, yes, it was, but it's a very good explanation. And now we have confirmation as we suspected for Laura to become a category four. Now the question is just how strong of a category four will it grow to be? Will it get to five?
0: You know, obviously, you. You hope that it's close enough to land now that there will be some interaction and some some weakening from that. But four is, once you hit four, man, it's like, man.
1: It's That's a powerful system right there. But anything else to add?
0: No, just obviously uh, thinking about people on the Gulf Coast, and as much as it's going to be entertaining to continue to watch the satellite imagery,
1: it's, There's people on the ground. It's tough
0: to know that there are seriously millions of people who are going to be impacted and likely devastated by this hurricane. It's the toughest part of this job. I said it last week with the derecho. Show. Forecasting that derecho Show and watching it play out all day was tremendous from our perspective. But then to be out there at night seeing real destruction, seeing people hurt, real people that you're with and interacting with, you know, fellow humans, it, it really takes what we do and it's like, Why was I so impressed by the structure earlier? It's trying to find that fine line between the two, respecting Mother Nature, being in awe of it, but then realizing that the reason we're doing what we're doing is to hopefully tell Susie and Tom and ABCDE, please get out of harm's way.
1: And echo those statements that Joe just made. Well, we'll see you next time as we try and be hmm. 17. 17% right about the weather this week.
0: This has been Past the Forecast Podcast from Wayne 15.